Just gone 11 o'clock across Milton Keynes on Thursday the 21st of June and Joe Harrison is with us uh, from uh, Milton Keynes Hospital. Hello Joe. Good morning to you. Or should I say the Milton Keynes University Hospital. I can never get it around the right way, I should know. <laughs> yes, good morning. Good morning to you and your listeners. How are you doing? You okay? Yeah, very good, thank you. So uh, a busy few months as always uh, for you at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, let's talk about a poll that we've uh, been running for the last uh, four days. Uh, we asked a question on our Facebook page. Considering the overall NHS picture, uh, is Milton Keynes Hospital doing a good job? And basically, there's two options yes, all things considered, and no, I've had a bad experience. Uh, the good news is 74% of people uh, said that the hospital was doing a good job. I'm absolutely delighted with that. I also recognise there are 26% that didn't say we were doing a good job. And we've got to make sure that that number gets smaller and smaller every year. Yeah, and I know that you're consistently trying to improve things uh, at the hospital and you've done that through... Uh, how many years have you been there now? I've been there nearly five and a half years now. Cool, that time's just flown by, isn't it? But yes. there'd be several public services that would like a satisfaction score of 70-odd percent and, and probably many retailers uh, as well. During the five years that you've been there, what are the main improvements that you think you and your team have, have made? The first thing that we did was absolutely focus on the safety of our patients. And what we've seen over those five years is a steady improvement in the outcomes that we give our patients. And that's great news. What we're seeing now is that the experience that our patients have isn't as good as it could be. So we've got some work to do there. And also we still have this issue of variation between departments. So we know that certain departments are absolutely brilliant and then other departments we've still got some work to do to make sure that our patients feel safe and well cared for every single moment of every single day. And I think that's the thing that's shown up on some of the uh, questions where right. people have uh, you know, really given great praise, but also as well, some departments are obviously you know, getting a bit of feedback that they're kind of not what the patient mm-hmm. expected. So mm-hmm. uh, it's good that you're aware of that. Uh, and, and also as well, exciting news in the last couple of weeks about the Cancer Centre. Obviously, this has been something that's been earmarked for some time, but obviously uh, you know, quite close now, literally next year, I believe. It is, and we've just started building. We've got the public appeal, the charitable appeal going to raise the final two and a half million pounds that we need to complete that. And it really is a fantastic opportunity to change the way cancer services are delivered at Milton Keynes Hospital. It's uh, an opportunity to put in and build a 21st century facility that will cope with the ever-increasing demands and numbers of cancer patients coming through our hospital. So what type of services are being offered outside of Milton Keynes at the moment that you're looking to bring back in-house, if you like, to Milton Keynes? So it's a combination of two things. One is that we want to improve the facilities that we've currently got. If any of your listeners have been to the Macmillan unit recently, they will know that it's too small, it doesn't have all the facilities that a modern cancer centre has, and the staff are trying to do their best in, in, in very difficult circumstances. So it's about making the facilities better, bigger, and able to cope with more patients. And we know that there are services that are being provided in other organisations that we would like to provide here at Milton Keynes. And we're talking to our specialist provider at Oxford to see how we can build that relationship so that we can deliver more care at Milton Keynes Hospital. 
So is the aim eventually for Milton Keynes to become a one-stop shop or will there still be the need to maybe go to London or to Oxford? There will certainly still be the need to go to Oxford or London for certain types of cancer intervention. And we know that those specialist centres are there precisely because not every hospital could or should be providing those specialist services. So absolutely, people, people will continue to go there. And we want to make sure that wherever possible, we bring those patients back as soon as we can so that they can continue to receive their routine care at Milton Keynes. And the thing to point out about the new cancer centre, that this just isn't a a corner in the hospital somewhere. This is a brand new bespoke building. It absolutely is. And for anybody that's been to the hospital site recently and seen the new academic centre that's just opened, to give your listeners an idea of scale, the new cancer centre is about one and a half times the size of that academic centre. So it really is a very large building. Incredible. And in the news today, obviously, with an ageing population that more elderly people are are expected to get cancer uh, over the next few years, I guess this is another consideration for Milton Keynes. It is. And what we want to be able to do is provide those dedicated facilities to build the clinical teams to support each and every one of those patients who come through with different types of cancer in a unit supported by Macmillan. So we have that patient information, that patient support available as well. And it really is a a step change that we will provide for our patients with cancer. So the uh, fundraising team uh, obviously got the public appeal, two and a half million pound needed uh, just to uh, reach that target of 19 million. Um, People can obviously get involved in this in in a number of different ways. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So if you contact the team at the hospital, the MK charity on the website and we are going to be running lots of events across Milton Keynes over the next several months to make sure that where the public want to get involved where people want to donate there are plenty of opportunities for people to contribute to what will be an amazing facility. Excellent and uh, there's more about that on our website as well and uh, as we've uh, pledge to the uh, the charity team that if anyone wants to run an event uh, then we will advertise that on our what's on section on air as well so uh, we're going to be looking at supporting uh, all the activity that you're doing but also anything that any other business or individual wants to to do so, and that's great thank you uh, so let's talk about the um, last uh, few months and uh, news this week about extra money going into the nhs i think it's quite common knowledge that the nhs has been struggling financially uh, it was on the news you was on the news during the winter that Milton Keynes uh, was performing better than others but you've still had some major challenges the last few months. We have and we know that the numbers of patients coming to our hospital continues to increase and so the new money is welcome. I think it's really important that your listeners are aware that this new money doesn't come into the NHS until next year and so we've got some very very difficult months ahead of us coping with that extra demand and making sure that we look after each and every one of our patients safely and appropriately. So let's talk about A&E what what are the numbers for maybe the winter months because again there's been I think some notices on the website about you know people not coming to A&E unless it's absolutely mm-hmm. essential which I should I guess should be the case anyway but as we all know uh, you know people use A&E or try and use A&E for a number of things but again it's been another tough winter for you and the team. It, it has overall Milton Keynes Hospital has performed relatively well again and and so what we're seeing is we're we're in the top quarter of performing hospitals in in the country which is which is fantastic but and I, and I think the but is that we are 
as a health system under tremendous pressure and when we put notices out about making sure people only come to A&E I think there is a there's a growing recognition that there are so many other fantastic support services for the public whether it's their local pharmacist whether it's their local GP all of these different um, services that are available that patients can access without having to come to the A&E department um, along with those that are desperately sick and desperately ill and need our help. So as regards as uh, numbers and that, because I, I guess this is something that you're uh, constantly tracking, um, what, what was the, the average picture in A&E as regards as waiting times? I, I know it varies, but what, what's the stats that kind of stick out? It does. I mean, so if you compare the last quarter of the year, we were running at around about... 85 out of 100 people being treated within four hours. Um, if you look at how we've been performing in the first quarter of this year, it's around about 94 people out of 100 treated within four hours. So what we're seeing is as the pressure on the hospital builds over winter, it makes it very, very difficult, very challenging for the clinical teams and all of the support teams to manage to that target of making sure that everybody's looked after within four hours. So as I say, nationally, when you compare us, we're doing well, but actually I want every patient in Milton Keynes to be able to get seen, treated, and either admitted or discharged within that four-hour target. Okay. And as regards, I know that we've uh, discussed this a couple of times, uh, but you know, the hospital wouldn't be running so smoothly unless it wasn't for the goodwill of some of the nurses and the doctors working mm-hmm. additional hours and, and literally donating their time. Is that, is that still the case? It is. And, and I would add to that that there is also a whole army of health and care workers that support the hospital by ensuring that patients who don't need to come into our hospital are well looked after, like those I just talked about, but also the whole care sector looking after the elderly and frail in nursing homes all of them play a fantastic part in ensuring that our health and care system do such a great job and yes people have been going that extra mile particularly individuals where the pressure has has been on over winter and i would like to take this opportunity to say thank you very much to all of those not just clinicians but other professionals across the hospital who have helped out so well Excellent. And even while we're talking, we've got people adding comments on our Facebook page at the moment saying that they haven't had one bad experience, that they've been fantastically looked after. And this is in addition to the poll that we've got where 74% of people are saying that Milton Keynes Hospital is doing a great job. So, so again, I think it's testament to those people that you're, that you're talking about there. Uh, something that comes up quite often is how fast the population is growing here mm-hmm. in Milton Keynes. Uh, do you think the hospital is keeping up with the pace of uh, the population or is it always playing catch up? I think we have been playing catch up absolutely. The Cancer Centre when it opens around about next Christmas time will add significantly more capacity to the to the hospital overall which is which is great. And we're already starting to prepare for the next development and making sure that we've got the money secured for that and that we know what what, what the plans are. So I think we are we we're we're nearly where we want to be. I think in another two years' time, I would want to be sitting here saying not only have we caught up, but we also know exactly what we need to do over the forthcoming five years to make sure that our hospital continues to maintain its growth in line with our population. Fantastic. Uh, We've obviously had the new entrance at the hospital that was Mm -hmm. open, what, just over a year ago now? Actually opened in June, yes, that's right. Yes, start of June last year. And people finding their way around now? 
Very much so. It's been very well received. And I think just that very professional entrance, having a receptionist, having a, a, a place for people to meet, um, whether they are members of the public or whether they're staff to sit and grab a coffee or a sandwich, just again allows the organization to feel more professional, more structured and, and gives people some additional facilities. And something that comes up time and time again is the car parking at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that there's a new car park being built. What's the latest on that, Joe? So the new multi-storey car park, which is um, for staff, is now open at the back of the site. And we are already looking at plans to further extend car parking. And I think that is an area where we are not quite where we want to be. And we have got further developments planned to make sure that when people are coming to our site, we have got both a way to p- for people to get into and out of the hospital site and also to park when they're there so we've got a bit more work to do on that and what other developments are taking place at the minute so we have over only the last four weeks um, launched our brand new electronic patient record that was a 25 million pound investment in the latest technology to ensure that our patients records are all available to the appropriate members of staff so we're moving away from paper onto making sure that it's all computerized and that's developing sort of as we speak and some of the things that you would expect to happen in a modern hospital like not having our nurses having to write down observations from a machine and transfer them onto a bit of paper but having machines talk to each other and automatically capture patient information so we're doing that now and also the ability to order drugs electronically rather than having to fill in bits of paper from our clinicians so that's in place it's been technically a very positive last few weeks as with any major IT change we have nearly 4,000 people working in our hospital and we need to make sure that everybody is more than capable of using all the different parts of the system fantastic so we mentioned the car park another big issue for people is parking Mm -hmm. costs Mm -hmm. and again even some people have commented recently that compared to other hospitals you know the the cost of parking isn't that bad but obviously a number of people i guess you know especially those on low incomes or maybe on some type of benefits obviously struggling uh, with the parking costs Yes, and and what we know is that um, we don't make in we don't make enough publicity about some of the concessions that we do have. So if people are coming to the hospital frequently, uh, we do ensure that there is a concession program in place, um, and also for particular um, services as well, we try to ensure that we understand that people can't and won't pay significant sums of money if they're visiting every day. So we need to make more of that. We also need to manage our car parks in a more efficient way. And so your listeners, I'm sure, will have noticed that sometimes they come in, the barriers are broken or some of the equipment doesn't work. I think that's a huge source of frustration for people. So we are replacing the equipment. We are making sure that we are going through a process to, to, to when people pay for their car parking, they get a, they get a, a decent process with it so we're doing that and then as i said we need to make sure people actually have a space to park in yeah and so that's that that's the big planning process that we're doing at the moment so anyone involved in the nhs it must wind you up when you're there trying to fix people and then they're out smoking uh in the last year or so the hospital the whole site has become a smoke-free area how has that um you know changed things and and what's the reaction to that been the public have been very very good about it 
and I personally will always stop and ask anybody who is smoking on site to move off to the Redway or outside of the hospital perimeter. I think it all becomes worthwhile when you get the email from the member of staff who says, you introduced the smoking ban four weeks ago. I haven't had a cigarette since then. This is just what I needed to stop smoking. And even if it's just that one person who stopped smoking as a consequence of the ban, that for me is worth doing. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that it will be a lot more than one yeah. person, obviously. Well, I, guess, um, I guess that's the thing. If anyone's in hospital for a significant amount of time and literally they're bed bound or literally mm-hmm. the far as they can walk is to the entrance, mm-hmm. I guess before they might have been able to smoke in the entrance. Now, I guess if they've had a week away from not smoking i guess you'll get those that are just craving it every minute of the day but equally that will present an opportunity for other people to give up it it absolutely does that and also we ensure that if we have got inpatients who smoke we do offer free nicotine patches we do offer the 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 whole range of stop smoking um paraphernalia for want of a better term to try and help those individuals ensure that they aren't craving and so yeah. we, we, we are trying as hard as we possibly can to, to stop this killer. Yeah. Well, as you can see, Joe, I'm quite overweight. That is one of my um, things. It looks like uh, I might actually need to try the food because one of the negative comments that we've had is that the hospital food is rubbish. And this is a, this is a challenge that we get far too frequently. And so only last week we launched a new menu. We launched uh, not just a menu with increased choice, but also with the ability for people to get food in different forms. So, for example, pureed form. That might not appeal to a lot of your listeners, but actually if you do have difficulties swallowing and you can't chew, it's really important. So we have done that. That's only been in place for a week or so. Do I think that we will be in a situation whereby we're being compared to Gordon Ramsay? No, I don't. Am I confident that we are delivering nutritious food to every patient in the organization? Yes, we might not be serving it as well as we could. We might not be presenting it as well as we could. And again, that that sort of experience part is an area where we've really got to work on. Okay. And just as regards as patients, uh, you know, as we've acknowledged at the uh, beginning of this, there's been a lot of positive feedback for the hospital. But there's been a number of comments uh, where people said doctors and nurses, uh, nurses in particular, obviously, are not getting the time to feed patients that can't feed themselves. And so what we're trying in July is a slightly different approach. We're going to pilot it in July to see whether we can't support our nursing staff with a range of other individuals to help feed our patients now whether that's volunteers whether that's other members of the team mkuh who might be back office staff but want to do more to support the hands-on patient experience piece so we're going to try that in july see how it's how well it's received and then go from there because i think there are there and and also we we hear from families about how much they sometimes want to get involved in that process and and perhaps don't feel empowered to do so so i think we are we're trying different things and we want to see what makes a difference to try and improve that whole dining experience okay great uh we're going to come on to mental health uh, in a second but i think it's sen uh, raised a, a point about the complaints procedure 
and for and making a, a comment about doctors need to have mental health training so we'll come on to that in a second uh, you've already mentioned that some departments are performing better than others mm-hmm. but maybe tell us a little bit more about the complaints procedure and about how you deal with that yourself we have we have two different um opportunities for want of a better term for, for people to raise issues so what we have done is at the front of the main entrance is put our patient advocacy and liaison service right at the very front of the hospital and that's always manned during working hours so that people if they have an immediate concern or an immediate complaint and they don't want to go away and write a letter or an email or anything they can pop in there and they can talk to people who have got access to me to everybody in the organization to see if they can get some of those real niggles those irritations ironed out very very quickly so there's that part the second part is the more formal response process which is where an individual can phone up or contact the complaints team or indeed my office as sometimes happens and we then go through a process of taking down all of the details about what the concerns are formally investigating those and then I read write respond to all of the complaints that come in there will obviously be occasions when I'm on annual leave and we want the letter to go out but for the vast majority of complaints I read all of them and respond to all of them that's the thing with you we've got to know you over a number of years you are very hands-on yes aren't you? and you know there's been you know several times where the BBC and ITV have kind of gone in and not specifically to talk to you but you've walked past you know in the background you're kind of leading from the front line aren't you rather than from behind the desk I, I think m- me and my team we've been there now for a number of years and I do think it's important for the executive team in an organization to be visible I do think it's important that people can raise any concerns be it staff or indeed patients or families uh, to that executive team and they feel they're going to be listened to and that's why we are and that's why we're out there every day something that came up during the uh, winter months was uh, people asking questions about whistleblowing mm-hmm. and again I guess that's another form of a complaint procedure what type of policies are in place uh, as regards as that so we've got we've got a couple of things. We've got the the, the formal whistleblowing policy, and that's uh, um, led by one of our non-executives. And um, that process has only been used a couple of times, and that can be you can view that as good or bad in terms of our people not using it because they're scared. There's a there's a second process that we have in place, which is um, the freedom to speak up guardians that we have every organization every hospital has to have a freedom to speak up guardian Uh, we actually have two we have one who is our deputy chief nurse and we have another who is our trust secretary Uh, so one clinical and one as a professional support um, person and they have direct access to me and they have the opportunity to either talk to me if anything gets raised in confidence um, it, with total anonymity from any member of staff um, and that's happened a couple of occasions which is positive and then I have to respond as the accountable officer for the organisation to resolve that. I think what is also interesting for me is that I am delighted that people, certainly staff in the organisation feel completely free to stop me on the way to going to a meeting or catch me in the morning and say excuse me joe can i talk to you about 
And that, for me, is where we get some of the best feedback in the organisation. And I was going to say, you know, during your five years there, and you look at the changes that have been made Mm. at the hospital, it kind of does seem as if those policies and the open door side of things and access to you is actually working uh, for you to be able to make these changes that need making it it, it is and and also i'm I, I have a brilliant exec team and so there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of focus not surprisingly on the chief executive and i have a chief nurse who is clinical every tuesday i have a medical director who absolutely continues as a, as a doctor and so the organization sees these other individuals who are out there and uh, and they are able to talk to them. You know, we're, we're just normal people who want to do the best for the population that we serve. And, and so I think that message is very clear in the organisation. All right, let's talk about mental health for a second, because we was told at one point that if anyone was feeling suicidal, uh, that basically they could walk into A&E and get immediate care. Mm-hmm. Uh, we posted uh, that during the winter months when there was a number of suicides on the railways. We basically mm-hmm. put where people could get help in Milton Keynes. We listed the Samaritans and all the other resources. And we said, you know, that if someone was in danger, they could walk into A&E and get immediate attention. We had some feedback at the time, just basically saying that that wasn't the case. So we do have a process for looking after people who have got mental health concerns when they come into A&E. Obviously, what we don't want to do as a as a hospital is replicate every mental health support service that is available and so what i think i'd like to do is to provide you with those list of contacts and the list of services that are available both publicly funded and also those services that are fantastic support services like the samaritans and and and, and ask you to publish those yeah. as well. Yeah, we've, we've, we've done that. We've, we've got like a full list on Great. there and talk for change. And yeah. there's been people that have contacted us, mm-hmm. um, you know, that are offering support services. Yeah. But it does seem to be that if, if someone, uh, you know, is in a real mental state and, and they're contemplating suicide, it does seem to be, um, you know, that, that there's just not the number of organisations where you can get immediate help. And we all know the problems with GP surgeries, not being able to get mm-hmm. appointments. And when we question, you know, if someone was literally at the end of their tether, where do, where do they go? Uh, you know, we were told, I think it was from one of the MPs, is that A&E is, is kind of like there for these people to walk into. But then we yeah. had feedback saying that, you know, people still might get referred to somewhere else or that there wasn't, that there wasn't the care there. So we do have psychiatric liaison within our A&E department absolutely we do and we have trained clinical professionals there that can support people coming into the A&E department do we want those people to spend time in the A&E department when the actual environment is almost certainly not the right environment for somebody who has who's suffering with significant mental health distress so part of what we do is to try and ensure that we get that person to the right place at the right time which is very often outside of A&E. So yes, if somebody is absolutely at the end of their tether, of course A&E is the safety net for the health and care system. We, we know that. And what we will do from there is ensure that we direct that individual, either treating them for an acute episode as quickly as we can or directing them and signposting them to the most appropriate ongoing service. And you're quite confident that that happens So anyone that maybe is walking through the door? I think what, I know that yeah. you can't guarantee it in 100% of, of, yeah. of the case, but you know it did seem to be at one point that you know if someone was literally uh, at the end of their tether, they, they you know it was hit and miss to if they would actually get the care that they needed. So we have absolutely spent more money on psychiatric liaison. So 
I'm confident that we've strengthened, strengthened that service. I think your listeners will also know that nationally the pressure on mental health services is is possibly even more significant than the acute hospital services. So for people to be able to access those services immediately, I, I'm not in a position to, to guarantee them no. Um, would I say to people come to A&E if they are absolutely at the end of their tether? Yes, because we are that safety net. Okay, excellent. Uh, let's talk about the uh, automated appointment message system. This is from uh, Lorraine. Uh, she states the date and time of the appointment do not include the department. Can the department that the appointment clinic to be attended be added to that service? So I don't know if your listeners know, but we have launched the first um, patient app for the NHS, sort of any acute hospital. Uh, which allows patients to to see what's going on and we'll soon roll it out across all of our specialties. We're, we're a little nervous about putting the department on because we know that on people's mobile phones sometimes their text messaging appears on the front screen and certain people might not want others on the bus next to them or um, walking along if they're next to them to see that they have an appointment in a particular clinic. So I think it's a, it's a helpful suggestion, absolutely, and we've changed some of the phone numbers on the back of comments and feedback that we've had from people. Um, I'd like to take that one away and see if there's a way that we can do that without potentially putting people in a, in a difficult situation. Do you think eventually with everything becoming automated and, as you said earlier, not going on to paper, do you think there will become a time where people will be able to log in and kind of look at where their appointment and, and stuff actually is and how things are progressing? So a lot of your listeners will already have accessed the, the patient portal that we have. Right. Um, it's the fastest growing patient portal in the NHS. And what that allows people to do is see when their appointment time is and see the letters that people have got. The next stage on from that is making sure that people can change their appointments, cancel them, confirm them. And then ultimately, we want to make sure that we give patients their own record. Yeah. At the moment, hospitals charge people to access their medical record, which is ludicrous in my personal view. Yeah. <laughs> and actually what we want to be able to do, if, if you were asked to pay £10 every time you, you went on your bank app, you wouldn't use it. And yeah. you'd say, hang on a second, that's my money. I <laughs> exactly. want to see it. Yeah. Well, my view is that your medical record is exactly that. It's your medical record. And we need to find a way of ensuring that every individual has a confidential and appropriately safe way of looking at their medical record. Right, excellent. Uh, April has asked about ADHD testing for adults. Apparently she needs to go to Kettering at the moment. Are there any plans to bring that into Milton Keynes? Um, again, I think what we're seeing in, across the hospital is as we employ more and more consultants with subspecialist interests, then we are seeing the hospital develop and expand the range of services that we provide. I haven't got an answer specifically to ADHD, but I do know that we are providing a lot more locally than we did a few years ago, and that trend will only continue. All right. Uh, as we've mentioned a few times, generally the positives on our Facebook, uh, the positive comments on our Facebook page have really outweighed the negative ones. Mm -hmm. uh, but there have been a few comments on there about the Labour Ward. Uh, yeah. So have you got anything to add to? So what, there, there are a couple of things that I think it's, it, it's helpful to highlight. The first is that the facilities that we have um, for pregnant women in Milton Keynes could be better. And as the chief executive, I have that as a key issue to expand. So, for example, we know that we don't have 
a midwifery-led birthing unit. We have a fantastic birthing at home team, but we, we aren't able because we don't physically have the space to provide that midwifery-led unit. We also know that some of the facilities are tired and old. And so we've got to do something about that over the next couple of years. What's, what's interesting as an aside is that although Milton Keynes is rapidly expanding, the actual birth rate in Milton Keynes is constant and that will come as a surprise. So we need to, we need to deal with the, the, the physical environment and give women a better choice and, and better facilities. We've also been doing a huge amount of work with our midwives and with our doctors around ensuring that they get that personalised care when they come into hospital. And that's a journey that we haven't finished yet and we've got more work to do, and I know that. Right, excellent. Uh, so just going back to our Facebook poll and uh, the questions, as we said, you know, 74% of people uh, thought that the hospital was doing a great job. Loads of po- positive comments as well. And as I said to you when uh, we first uh, walked in this morning, you know, comments like from Sandra where she said she was uh, diagnosed with breast cancer some years ago and the care she received was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's someone that's experienced that a few years ago and they're still grateful now for the care that they've received. And, and it just seems to be, you know, the the positive comments and, and the service that people are receiving during these difficult times, you know, just continues to grow. And that's got to be quite pleasing because you've, you know, put, what, five years of your life into this. And it can't be easy, can it, being the CEO of the of the hospital? Is it pretty much 24-7 for you? or it's, it, uh, it's easy to say, and I actually mean this, that it is a privilege to be the chief exec of the hospital. It really is. The, the diversity of roles that you get to get to do, the, the enjoyment that you get from talking to members of staff and the public and our patients is fantastic. And so, yes, we've got some brilliant comments on the Facebook page, which is great. And the job is never done. And so... And we I think know. that's going to be always true with the Exa- NHS. Exactly, yeah, exactly right. So we know there's more we can do and... There's so much more that we can offer the population of Milton Keynes that yeah. we serve. But I think at the end of the day, there's so many people out there that are grateful for the work that you've done and, and the team. So I think everyone acknowledges it's a, a very tricky job. And I've always said, I wouldn't want your job and I wouldn't want to be the leader of the council either. I think they're the two <laughs> toughest jobs uh, here in Milton Keynes. But, but it's good to run a poll like that, which is open to everyone, mm-hmm. you know, and the majority of people are saying that the hospital is doing a, a great job. So... Uh, you know well done and I know that you're not going to rest on your laurels you're going to continue to improve the hospital and as we said at the beginning of the interview uh, the the, uh, new cancer centre we need two and a half million pound it's kind of like the opportunity for the public to chip in and do their bit and they can just donate if they want to but I think you know we'd encourage everyone today to get behind some type of fundraising event you know even if it's just a whip round in the office to maybe arranging a a summer fair or something in the lead up to Christmas so can you remind us again of the website Jay? The if you go on to the Milton Keynes hospital website you can access the charitable um, page there Um, likewise we're on Facebook and we're on Twitter and all of the all of the usual outlets to uh, to get hold of us all right and before you go is there anything else that you'd like to to add um two things if i may sure firstly um i would ask the population to make sure that you do keep raising issues raising concerns where we don't get things right 
it's the best way for us to learn and it's the best way for us to understand what more we've got to do as a hospital. And secondly, I want to give a huge, huge thank you to, to everybody involved at Milton Keynes, all of the staff, both clinical and professional, for all of the work that they do. Thanks for sparing the time, Jay. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thank you.